Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We do this every day. I'm Pat Mulroy, the supervisor of the World of Learning Institute. The World of Learning Institute provides virtual world language instruction and other courses like calculus or chemistry when it's difficult for a school or district to find a teacher. We're here to talk to you about what we do every day that makes virtual learning authentic, relevant, and engaging. And if you want more information, you can contact me at pmulroy, that's Pat Mulroy, P-M-U-L-R-O-Y at worldoflearninginstitute.com. And I feel just so blessed to have Lauren and Barb Davis from the Elko School District joining me today to talk about the virtual learning experience at Elko School District. And Barb um, has been one of those folks who has needed us multiple times and pre and post pandemic. And Barb's the assistant superintendent at Elko, and she's the past president of PASED. And I've gotten to know her in both of those um, journeys and love working with Barb. So I'm excited for the conversation today. Uh, she does great work to help make education more learner-centered and has gotten PASED in a super positive direction. So Barb, before we get started, why don't you uh, just introduce yourself in your own words? Okay, sure. So thanks, Pat. Um, as you mentioned, I'm the assistant superintendent in the Eastern Lebanon County School District here in Pennsylvania. Um, we're a very rural school district with K-12 enrollment of about 2,500 students. Um, I've been in cent a central office administrator since about 2008, um, which has been a long time. <laughs> and in a previous life, I was a, a secondary math teacher, a gifted teacher, and an instructional technology coach. And Pat, you and I have that in common. We were yes. CFF coaches together back in the Classrooms for the Future days. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. that's basically what you know my how I got started in education. Oh, that's awesome! And Lauren is a regular at the World of Learning. She is a virtual learning specialist. Lauren, why don't you just reintroduce yourself to folks, and mm -hmm. um, we'll get going. Sure. Yeah. Happy to be here, Lauren McMinn. I um, came to World of Learning as a French teacher, but for the past two years, I've been a virtual learning specialist, and. Um, I've been working on some cool projects. I think, you know, there's two sides of me. I'm a very like a uh, cross off things on my list type person, but I also really like to be creative. So like the cross the list off thing is that I'm working on the student information system that we adopted this past year and getting everything in order. And then the creative side that's being fed right now is I'm building a French one course right now. So those are my current projects. And then I also work to support all the schools that we work with um, through that whole enrollment process. And then um, also help our teachers, ma mainly the French, the Chinese, and the Japanese teams. And um, that brings me a lot of joy. That's awesome. So, Barb, you came to us because I think the first time was about three years ago um, when you had a teacher go out on maternity leave. Why don't you tell us about... <laughs> how frightened you were to have to move to a virtual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually in the fall of 2018. Uh, we needed a Spanish long-term substitute um, because our long-term sub had backed out at the last minute. Uh, and I just happened to run into to you, Pat, at the, at the conference, at a conference that we were attending. Um, and you had mentioned that you help schools with this all the time and you would be willing to have a conversation with us about how you could help us out. Um, so of course, you know, being a school district that's in a very rural part of Pennsylvania and, and looking for a Spanish teacher, which is a, a very challenging, 
um, position to fill because you don't have many graduates um, with Spanish degrees. Um, it was it's very challenging for us to be able to fill those positions, especially when it's only a long term sub position. Um, so we we reached out to you and and asked if you would be willing to help us out. Um, and get a certified Spanish teacher so that we could continue our instruction and get our kids to to continue making progress throughout the year. Yeah. And that first jump in is always tough. Lauren, mm-hmm. why don't you um, talk about a little bit of your experience because you've been a teacher in those situations. And, yes. Um, so I know that at first the kid, kids really struggle. Um, you know, we always think that kids have this quote unquote technology affinity. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's a, a real misunderstanding. So, Lauren, why don't you talk about that experience from the teacher's point of view um, when you're t- first getting kids in the virtual environment for that very first time when they've had a teacher in the classroom most often that they've really loved? Yes, there is a mourning period. <laughs> and it's important not to take that personally because um, they do need to have those feelings and, and process that um, this isn't the same teacher that they've had and that also the format's going to be a little bit different. Um, I think that that's something that, you know, I'm really glad you said that, Pat, about the tech, because we do tend to generalize kids these days as being like super tech savvy, digital natives. Um, But the amount of um, scaffolding and support that students need, I mean, that just can't be overstated because um, it is completely new for them. And the way to be a good virtual student is a little bit different than being a good in-person student in a lot of ways. Um, You know, there are some benefits to being online and we try to highlight them, but there are some really difficult changes for students. And I think, um, you know, when they have to come on an asynchronous day and be self-motivated to complete the assignments in the course when you're not standing right in front of them and kind of pointing to, you know, do these problems here now or, you know, work on this activity here and I'm going to watch you. I'm right here. Um, that takes a lot of internal motivation and things that kids are still working on. You know, they're there. That's that's, you know, a lot. <laughs> so um, realizing that they're there in that struggle, coaching them through it. Um, providing that scaffolding and giving them suggestions for this is how you could use your time. Um, always having a way for students to kind of, um, you know, I was, I was really, I tried to make our live sessions as obviously as engaging as possible. So something to look forward to something that, you know, a bright spot for them, um, but also allowing them to have space for those feelings. And, you know, one thing that we do, I think that helps, and that's something we've been doing more and more of, Pat, is those like parent information nights, you know, because when you can get the community on board, that makes a big difference. So Barb, is that something that you have done before kind of, you know, to help with the transition, either holding like an informational session or sending out a letter? We did send out letters to the parents. And and of course, because we were doing this pre-pandemic, the parents weren't really sure what to expect. Um, So online learning was, you know, something that was pretty foreign to, to many of our families. Um, so we did send out letters and, and have information sessions for parents to be able to understand what this meant. We had information sessions for students as well. Um, and I will say that, you know, then after the pandemic, things got easier um, because students and families knew a little more what was expected with online learning. But I will also say that that it in some ways got harder, too, because 
um, I think online learning got a, a bad rap through the pandemic because um, we had to, you know, it was emergency remote learning. It was really not truly, you know, what we we look at as uh, online learning because it, we were doing the best we could in a, a pandemic situation and had to, you know, in an emergency, take our in-person instruction and turn it online and good as you know because the way you design your courses you know good quality online instruction is built from the ground up and and using great instructional design practices and that is not what we did through the pandemic so um we had a lot a little bit of that to to deal with after the pandemic had occurred because we wanted to make sure that families understood what kind of support the students would get as they're going through this and that it was going to be different than what they had experienced during the pandemic yeah and i think that that real truth about that online learning is different um and it isn't for everybody right it really truly is not for everybody and i and I also think that um, we have to lift up teachers for trying to do two things at once. Because I know for us, um, we don't we don't ask teachers to build and teach at the same time in too many situations. Um, the asynchronous piece, the you know almost like the flipped classroom piece, because we we are a virtual program, but because the kids are in classrooms, we really think of it sometimes more of a flipped model because the kids have work to do outside of the time they're with the teacher and then then they're practicing things in the virtual classroom when they are interacting with the teacher so whether it's a language or a math problem or they're working on a formula in chemistry um you know or an experiment lurk, working on those concepts i think it's um it's you know it's it's not a typical online program either that somebody has taken when they've just taken something that's completely asynchronous. This is mm -hmm. a much different model than that. And I think sometimes kids get overwhelmed. Like, well, when I took a course with, you know, vendor XYZ, I just had to fill in the blanks and I didn't have to come to a live session. And then I, and I got a good grade. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we try to mimic as much as we can, what it's like to have that face-to-face -face experience. And I think um, over time, we've built in some of those habits of mind because kid, it's important for students to learn to self-regulate and to be self-motivated. And I think it's possible. We see that it's really possible and, and highly, highly likely um, for kids to be successful when they put their mind to it. And they have the right supports in place. I mean, your principal was awesome. What were some mm -hmm. of the things that you all did to help make your kids successful in that classroom, Barb? I mean, so with the first time that we had a, a teacher in there, we had a substitute teacher that was in there to to monitor the students that was not certified um, in Spanish. And, you know, she she had some Spanish background. So that was helpful. She was able to help the students a little bit. Um, she just wasn't able to be the the teacher of record. Um, the second time that we had had World of Learning, it was um, we didn't have a teacher that had any Spanish background at all. Um, but I think she had a little more um, of the the control of the classroom and had had set up established procedures within the classroom um, because it, it's not just coming in and, and watching the students 
and monitoring what they're doing online. You really have to have someone that can structure the day for the students um, and make sure that they're following the timelines that are established within the course. And it's not just a matter, it's very difficult, I think, to put a different teacher in that assignment every single day. You really do need a consistent teacher or para, whoever you've decided to put in there, Mm -hmm. that can really work hand in hand with that teacher online to be able to make sure the timelines are being met and know what the expectations are um, to, to work with the students on the days that they are asynchronous. And I think that's what really helped us. Yeah. You're speaking my language, Barb. That's like a total pun because I'm a language teacher. But that's the thing. I mean, I would love, I mean, it's all anecdotal, but I would love to do a study, Pat, of outcomes for students based on facilitator presence, you know, um, and what kind of facilitator. And we we know, I mean, we're full, fully aware that all schools are struggling and sometimes it's not possible to have the same person every day um, in the classroom. But when you do, it's just, it's it just really helps our program to thrive and for the students to do well. Well, and it's all about the relationships they build with the students too. So building those relationships day after day with the kids, that makes, that makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's school districts that we work with that have had this model. So it's familiar where like Mifflin County has always used us as their second language. And so those students, when they come in, they they kind of know when they're going to take an online course. They've had brothers and sisters go through it. They literally have been doing these courses, you know, from all the way back in the blended schools days when they had the language institute. So, you know, it's it's really kind of come all the way through. So it's in that culture that when I take a language class, I'm going to I'm going to put my headset on and I'm going to talk to the teacher on the screen and I'm going to learn my lessons and then I'm going to practice. So they're really self-motivated when they come in, they really want to learn, you know, whether it's Arabic or um, Japanese or Chinese, like Lauren was talking about that she works with. And, you know, now we've added ASL, which is another language that doesn't have a typical Roman alphabet. So it takes a little longer to learn the basic structures to communicate. And, you know, so I think sometimes when students sign up for those, languages that are outside the fold they're really motivated they have a reason that they want to take those classes and so it's not the same as say, saying to a, a spanish one or a french one class or a german one class which is they're the languages we typically substitute for you know we're going to replace your teacher um i mean that's just so it's it's harder on so many levels and um you know even sometimes the level four and five kids like we just did a german one with another a German long-term sub with another district and those students had created such a relationship that it took it took more time for our teacher to establish that relationship you know and then and then the teacher came back you know so you know we and we understand that but sometimes it's you know it's just kind of what do you do to navigate that like what I don't you know so I don't know I mean I don't know what other things, and maybe that's from your perspective, Barb, um, having used us a variety of times, you know, you talked about that relationship with the person in the room, because for us, that's the most significant relationship. But, you know, there are other things that you saw that we either did or might be able to do better that could alleviate that because it is crushing for kids to like lose a favorite teacher. It is. And I, I think the, um, you know, getting to know the time that we had used the used you with um, 
a little advanced notice where the teacher was able to help facilitate that transition was a little better um, because we were able to have that teacher sort of introduce it. And that teacher was used to the classroom and was used to the students and was able to kind of lay out the expectations that she had already established within the classroom. So it was the transition, I think, went a little better that time. But that was also um, post-pandemic. So I'm, I'm not sure if yeah. it was it went a little better as well because you changed the way that you're onboarding students or or the students were just different because they've been through online learning before. Uh, I'm not sure what to attribute it to, but things things had definitely changed that second time around. Well, we do always try. We try to take the advice. We know that it's not perfect. And um, we do we do keep changing and moving and growing like Lauren had talked about, you know, some of the new things that we're doing that I think make it easier. So Lauren, what have you seen? Because I think Barb, you used this at the end of last year, right? Yes. Yeah. When your teacher left in that last quarter. So since then we've done a couple other things that maybe might make it even easier. Lauren, do you want to just run them by Barb and see what she thinks about them? <laughs> sure. Well, I think the parent nights are a big help, like I said, because, you know, we kind of have that opportunity to show parents, you know, what's going on in our classes. We share our, our screen. We I show them, you know, what our courses look like on the inside. Um, we have a student information system now, which is really great because um, the facilitators can have quick access to all the students that they're overseeing and then parents can create guardian accounts and we put that information out right at the beginning. Um, so the parents can, you know, go in, log in, basically it mirrors the student account, they can see where the student is right now, their progress, when things are due, upcoming. Um, we've been putting due dates on every assignment from the beginning, which is like a very specific thing. But it's super helpful, I think, for everybody um, to kind of know what's coming for the rest of the year, no surprises, um, just for students to kind of plan. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, we made a handy little onboarding video. Um, so we have a video that walks students through, or I did like screencast-o-matic, which was really a fun tool. I don't know if you've ever used that, but um, I really enjoyed that, like walking through what it's like to log in. Also really helpful for the adults, you know, the facilitators who are doing this for the first time. Um, am I missing anything, Pat? We really cleaned up sort of like the onboarding information as far as, you know, what we ask for it, you know, can you whitelist these email addresses? These are the tech requirements and just kind of keeping everything simple and clean and having it all from the beginning so that it's not any scrambling, you know, um, reduce the frenzy. That's the mantra. Reduce the frenzy. Yes. done a great job at that. Well, I don't know, Barb, because some of the other things that I think Lauren has done really well is she reaches out to those facilitators that you're talking about in the room and she's tried to create times and spaces for them mm -hmm. to meet with her and to talk about things that work. So, and it, you know, like, I think sometimes you get frustrated if people can't show up for those or only one or two people show up, but I think just the idea that you're available mm -hmm. kind of lets people know that, well, if I can't come at that time, I can call her or. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Being available. I think our staff felt very supported um, both the facilitators in the classroom as well as the principal in the building. Um, anytime there were questions, um, you guys were right there to be able to answer questions or support, you know, parent questions that parents were having concerns um, with grades or something like that. It was it was very, very quick turnaround with with any concerns that we had. 
Yeah, this year I've been picking up the phone a lot. It's just yeah. easier. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's absolutely. in their email inbox, and I know that you know, there everybody makes jokes about how like, you know, you're supposed to just text you or email. You're not supposed to call. But like mm -hmm. in these situations, I feel like it's the best. Um, oh, just resolve it. You know, just resolve it quickly. And it's um, my mantra though. Like you, if you get past two emails and you haven't resolved it, yeah, <laughs> it's like. All we're doing is creating more confusion. And then I don't know about you guys, but my emails, once the chain starts to get long. Yeah. I, I would like to say I'm more organized, but, but I do think, like you said, Barb, it's the um, availability, like, like the turnaround time, like for you guys not to have to wait when a parent's in your office telling you that they're hot about that grade, mm -hmm. you know, and rightfully so they want their kid to get the right grade and if you have to wait two or three days to get an answer and then, you know, that's just not all right because all that does is that just breeds more and more boiling, you know, under the surface. And, right. you know, and I think even when it's hard, sometimes it's like, I just pick up the phone and get ready to get yelled at. But yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen as much anymore, you know? I don't no, there's know. like a lot more transparency now, I think too. Like, I don't know if it's just the, you know, even just the, the learning management system, like, you know, have, has evolved and our homepage has evolved. Like, I think mm -hmm. they're just, our systems are, are maybe a little bit more transparent and easier to navigate for everybody. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I do too. So Barb, what do you see as the future of, of online learning in, in Elko in, in your own district and how you're, you know, how, I mean, I think we're going to have to shift as, as time moves on education, like we can't find teachers, you know, people are exiting the field, people are getting burned out. Like, how yeah. do we? Yeah, I agree. I agree. There are so many, so many needs right now in education. And I think technology, if used effectively, can be a uh, part of the solution. But I, I think we haven't quite figured out how to do that yet in public education. Um, I think we we have a ways to go to to figure that out. Um, I I would hope that we something needs to change because the model we have is not working on so many different levels. Um, there are so many great things happening in schools right now, but um, there are also so many challenges that we have right now. Um, and I I hope that technology. My passion is really tech, the integration of technology and, and learning, and I really want to see technology flourish within school districts. And I, I really want to see that happen here at Elko as well. Um, we are a one-to-one -one district and and we continue to to use our iPads one-to-one uh, -one with students. And, and we're planning to continue that with a, a new lease in coming years. Um, we put a lot into professional learning for uh, our, our teachers to be able to use those those uh, technology tools with students in, in creative and innovative ways. Um, and we use a lot of, of tools that we've put in place through grants and, and things like that to be able to, to get things into the hands of students from 3D printers and, and you know, the robotics and things like that um, to be able to have students have those, those opportunities that they wouldn't be able to get elsewhere. Um, I, I think we, we need to change. The workforce is telling us we need to change and we need to make sure that our students are, are ready for when they graduate wherever that, wherever they end up going. Yeah. It's really interesting. Lauren sent me a video. Um, she's taking a class at Point Park right now. 
And it was a video of a math teacher using a, like a lit up board from behind and we teach calculus and she was like, oh my gosh, I wish we could get a technology grant for Michael because he does some really cool things in demoing um, how to solve a problem. Like even when he did his demo lesson, like we have teachers do demo lessons for us just to kind of show us what tools they're using and stuff like that. And um, it was so cool to see this teacher it was like literally like they used different color markers and glowing and they were it was like it was calculus so i <laughs> i had about this much understanding i'm using my fingers very small folks out there who are listening to me um but it was so cool like this is a you know you could see that it would engage it was visual it was you know it kind of was three-dimensional because of the way like he was standing behind the board but as he wrote you could see what he was writing up there and he had color coded and and i think the other thing I think about, and I don't know what you two think about, but like seat time, you know, seat time and community experiences for kids talk about the workforce. Like, how do we flip some of that? Like, how do we work with our community partners to say, what skills do you want your kids to have and what can they come to you for and do the work and then come back and apply their mathematics skills, apply their language skills, apply their science skills, you know, like when you're talking about gra- 3D graphic printers and, and other things, you know, what problems can they help the community solve? And how do we say that is algebra and that is history and that is science? And that's been my, that's that's been one of my dreams. Like, how do we shift that focus from that? I have to go sit in history class for 45 mm-hmm. minutes and then I'm going to go sit in math class and, and I'm going to go. And I think technology can help create collaboration to make that happen. Um, one of the really cool courses we're doing right now is um, what is it? Physics through the ages it's called. Mm-hmm. And the teacher is going to approach physics from the time of Copernicus and, and Aristotle and then bring all those different theories of physics through the ages mm-hmm. with the culminating project being that they have to take a modern physics concept and explain it to somebody who only has the understanding of Aristotle or only has the understanding of Copernicus or only has the understanding of Galileo. And so like, we're really excited because we've kind of started to integrate, like Lauren's building a course on, um, Lauren, you explain. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So I, I was at the Actful conference um, a few months ago in Boston, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. And um, I was really grabbed by um, a couple of sessions that talked about social justice and um, how to teach languages with a social justice lens. And um, I I came across the um, Teaching for Justice um, Social Justice Standards, which there are four strands. There's identity, um, diversity, justice, and action. And so that kind of appealed to me as like a four-year sequence, thinking about like a first-year student, kind of maybe on the younger side even, um, being able to talk about themselves, then th- talking about others, then kind of learning about the world, and then being being the change in the world. Um, and I just think I kind of wanted to just face that misconception head on that people, when they think about Paris, that it's, or that when they think about French, it's Paris, it's croissants, it's people, um, you know, with the berets and everything and that, you know, 
people speak more French in Africa than they do in France, you know, and, and that, you know, French is so much more, what does it mean to be a French speaker? Um, so much more than just the Eiffel Tower. And so kind of looking at the curriculum in a totally different way. Um, I'm really excited about it. And there's so many things you can weave through that, you know, um, teaching languages in general is really rich for that. But I, that's why I get so excited about physics classes, because you can tell a story in physics. Um, and you can always think about it that way. You think, oh, it's a bunch of equations to learn, you know? Yeah. It's not so, true. Yeah. So there's some, I mean, there are things that I think like we're trying to be this little like microcosm of places we can try it. So we can bring that to your school without being too threatening. Right. <laughs> but maybe just maybe, you know, you have teachers who say, I want to try that too. Right. Right. And, you know, it really just starts with one. Mm-hmm. you know, or maybe two, you know, that being a classrooms of the future coach, you know, and as, you know, as I did that in the buildings and worked with folks as an administrator, you know, you'd identify those people in your schools who were really making connections with kids and say, Hey, do you want to try this in a different way? Sometimes and, um, they just need that spark and they just need that, that permission yeah. to, to try some physics teacher who would want to try our course. I don't know. We might. <laughs> We can talk. Yeah. I mean, I just think it's like, we would love to show it. Like we're going to do this event with Allison Zamuda and Heidi Hayes Jacobs because PASCD was such an inspiration for us. And so we've created survival Spanish. We've got the story now of courses. It's, it's completely like we're a hundred percent headed in that direction. Our, all of our courses are going to be cross-curricular, whether or not schools give people other credit or not we're going to still present it in a way that they get more than just like, they're going to understand some of the, the history or world culture that was happening at those times, like in physics courses. So it's great. It's one of those great things that we can continue the conversation because Heidi and Allison are also so very engaging. You're doing great work. Yeah. So, well, we'd love to continue to share doing the work with you um, and your district if you ever need us again. And I'm really, it was really great to hear your insights. Um, do either of you guys have any final words before we kind of wrap up for the day? This has been really fun. No, I just love hearing directly from, you know, the districts and, and you know, hearing about what's going on in your side of things and how we can make your lives easier. That gives us, that's our whole p- purpose and our mission, you know, so it's nice to hear from you. It's great to hear how you can be so innovative as well. Yeah, it really is. It's, we sit in a really great place and we're mm-hmm. really fortunate to be able to work with districts and, and hopefully we give like some insp- inspiration and support to you as well. So, you know, know that it should be a two-way street. We don't ever want it to be a one-way street. So, but Barb, I appreciate you taking time out of the end of your day. I know that your days are long and at the world of learning, we just wanted you to know that we are thankful for people like you and others who um, come to our door when you need help and anything we can do, we're always here for you. So I hope you both have a great evening. And for any of you out there listening, we are the World of Learning Institute at IU8 um, in Altoona. And if you need anything, just uh, check us out at the world of learning institute.com or pmulroy at iu8.org. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. Have a great day, everybody.